Take your Bible and look in Isaiah 58 this morning. Isaiah 58, I want to preach to you this morning about get real. Get real. You ever heard somebody say that to you? I guess not. <laughs> I guess everybody's satisfied with you not being real. You're just a figment of somebody's imagination, ain't you? No. There's some scientists I, I hear that believe that kind of stuff, but I don't believe that. I believe that we're real people, and I believe I, I want to be a real Christian. I, I want to be a real people of God. Amen. I sure do. I sure do. And that's what Isaiah 58 is about here. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll take a look here in the scripture. Father, we pray, God, that you help us this morning. God, we sure do thank you, Lord, for everything that's been said and done so far, Lord, here in the services. Sunday school hour, God, this morning service, God, the congregational singing, God, these songs that we just had. Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, for what you did for us when you saved us. And God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're still doing, God, for how you're still saving us, God, from circumstances and trouble in life, God. And thank you, Lord, for great deliverance. And God, we pray this morning as we open your word, God, that you help us, God, that you speak to our hearts. Take these words and apply them to us, God. Apply them to us, Lord. We're not preaching to anybody else this morning, God, but we're preaching right here, God, in People's Baptist Church. And we pray, God, that you lay it on us. God, lay it on me. God, lay it on the congregation, Lord, we pray. Help us, God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to try and preach to you this morning about getting real, getting real, getting real with God. And we're not necessarily talking about being sincere, because as you go through here in Isaiah 58, you'll find some people that really, in a sense, they are sincere. They really are sincere. Isaiah 58 is a chapter on fasting. Yeah, you're going to find out how real you are, how real you want to be with God when it comes between you and your dinner plate. Yes, sir. But I'm not going to try and preach a message necessarily on fasting, although with how quiet it gets, I think we might need to visit that kind of a sermon. Hey, fasting is good. Fa hey, did you know that in the Bible there's no commandment to fast? There's a lot of information on it. But God never told you that you had to fast. But it's something that people did. It's something that you should do. You say, why should I do it? Well, your example, as far as the church is concerned, Paul the Apostle, he fasted. The Bible said that he said his own testimony was that he said, I fast often. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Fasting is something that you should do. You should put away your dinner plate every once in a while. You say, for what sake, Brother Nathan, for what purpose? Getting real. Getting real. Yes, sir. Americans are in love with food. Uh, you may have never cheated on your wife or cheated on your husband, but you're in a love affair with food. I heard, I heard somebody say one time, I never cheated on my wife, but I am in an affair with little Debbie. Yes, sir. And that's about how it rolls in America. America is in love with what they put in their mouth. Yes, sir. And every once in a while, every once in a while, I, I don't recommend you do it for very prolonged periods. I don't ever find a man fasting in the Bible for 40 days unless he's in the presence of God. But hey, every once in a while, it'd be good for you to push away. A meal or two. For what purpose, Brother Nathan? Drawing close to the Lord. Drawing close. Are you serious about getting right with God? You need to be. Hey, you need to be getting serious with God about, hey, Lord, I want to be right with you. Well, see, what you got in Isaiah 58 is you got some folks that's fasting. Boy, they're doing more than what a lot of Christians is doing this day of time. This is Israel that I'm preaching about, but I'm going to make application to the church. But you got some folks here that's fasting, but you know what the problem is? It's not real to them. They're fasting. They're doing something that most of us don't do, but it still ain't real to them. And you know what God tells them? Hey, you need to get real. You need to get real. Look at what he says in verse 1. Cry Aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. He said, cry aloud. That's what he's telling his prophet Isaiah. Cry aloud. You need to preach loud. I just don't like all that loud hollering in church. Do you like your TV loud? Do you like your music loud? Huh? You like to talk loud to your spouse? Nobody argues in here. I know that. 
Nobody argues. We're all too spiritual for that. We're all too spiritual to have differences of opinions. But we sure do like to voice our opinion really loud. I just have a hard time believing that you're right squeezing the toothpaste in the middle. You should roll it up. Mm-hmm. Well, the Lord said, the Lord said, hey, cry loud. Hey, what's, what's the purpose with all this hollering? Because sin's a big deal. You know what God said about sin? Your sins, your sins have separated you and your God. It's not your husband's sins. It's not your wife's sins. It's not the sins of your little babies. Hey, it's not the sins that's going on inside the D.C. Beltway. I, got, I, I believe with all my heart a lot of Christians believe if we could just get the White House straightened out, everything would be okay. No, the White House is so messed up because you're messed up. Hey, Congress is messed up because we're messed up. We're going to have to get our hearts right. Hey, and listen, it's a big deal. Might not be a big deal to you. You might be indifferent about it. You might be a little bit cold. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Jesus Christ said sin will do to you. He said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many is going to wax cold. Yes, sir, it just gets colder and colder. What's, what's with the cold Spiritual temperature in a church, brother, and I, I can tell you where a lot of it lies. It's not because you're tired. You might be telling yourself that it's because you're tired, but it ain't because you're tired. It's because you've been living like the devil. Hey, why is it we have such a hard time coming into the house of God and praising God and saying, thank God I'm saved because, because a gossiping tongue doesn't mix well. With a, with a tongue that praises God. It just don't mix well. Hey, a tongue that's complaining. It don't, it don't mix well with a tongue that says, Lord, I love you. I'm thankful that I'm saved. You say, where do you get that from? Well, you don't have to look any further than the Old Testament with a bunch of backslidden reprobates wandering around in the wilderness, going in circles like they're riding a carousel. Talking about Israel. This is who he's talking to. They're just going around in circles. You say, why? Because they did nothing but whined and complained and moaned and bellyache because things wasn't going the way that they thought they should go. And you know what the way they thought they should go? They thought them backslidden reprobates in type, they're saved people. But you know how they thought God should have run things? Just like the world did. Yep. Hey, we want, we want the garlics and the leeks and the onions that we had back in Egypt. You know what a lot of Christians is doing? They're sitting in People's Baptist Church this morning saying, how come we don't run things like they do down at First Baptist Church of folks? How come we don't run things like they do it down at the big corporation in Jacksonville? How come we don't run things like CSX does? That's because they're the world. We don't run things like that. We do things differently because we're the people of God. But see, what happened is people get cold on God because they let sin in their life because they just start living a backslidden life and then they start looking at God and saying, God, I think you got this all wrong. Yes, sir. That's exactly what happens. And so the remedy for that is, hey, preacher, get loud. Get obnoxious. Get obnoxious. Brother Nathan, I just don't like you hollering. It sounds a little bit obnoxious to me. It's supposed to. It's supposed to get right down into your soul. Hey, listen, if you sit in church and you have a hard time staying awake when the preacher's in your tater patch, yeah. hey, what the preacher's supposed to do is get a little louder. He liked that little Br'er Rabbit dealing with the tar baby. You better take that hat off and tell me how to, or I'm going to come over there and bust you wide open is what he said. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to come down and bust you wide open in the pew. Some of y'all probably bust me back. Some of you ladies probably beat me up. Yes, sir, that's, that's the disadvantage to being scrawny. But hey, a preacher's supposed to get right down there where you're at and say, it's you. Yeah. Cry loud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression. Now, let me tell you something. If you got something wrong, you know what it is. Yeah. You know what it is. It don't take a whole lot of preaching to, to bring that up to the forefront of your conscience. Yes, sir. If something's a sin, you already know it's a sin. You've just gotten cold and indifferent about it because you like it. You like it. You like being cold. You like being indifferent. You like that sin that's got you messed up. And you being dishonest with God about, hey, Lord, I really like this. 
The way you lying to yourself this morning, the way you lying to yourself this morning is, oh no, this ain't wrong. This ain't wrong. This is okay. Well, let me ask you, where's your verse of scripture that says it's okay? How many hours? How many hours? Not minutes. How many hours? How many hours have you spent in prayer talking to the Lord about that thing? Hey, before you start justifying drinking beer, before you start justifying listening to rock and roll, I guess a lot of people's messing around with that stuff this morning. Before you start messing around with smoking cigarettes and tobacco, let me ask you something. How much time you spent in prayer about the thing? Hours. I'm not talking about minutes. I'm not talking about praying over this stuff like you pray over your meals. Lucky if it's 30 seconds. You have the problem. I guess what the issue is, is you don't care. You don't care what God thinks. You've got your mind made up. Hey, this is the way I was raised. Well, let me tell you something. God don't give a flip about the way that you was raised. God don't care. God cares about the way that he raises his children. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look at what he says in verse 2. Yet they seek me daily. Lord, I'm looking for you. God, I want to know you. That's what Israel's saying. He said, they're seeking me daily. They seek me daily and delight to know my ways. I bet these folks is reading their Bibles. They're still not making it, but I bet they're reading their Bible. They're seeking him daily. They delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. It looks like everything's right. It looks like everything's put in order. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. Hey, we're concerned about justice in the United States of America. Y'all waiting on what I'm going to say next, ain't you? What's all this justice stuff? Yeah, you worried about all this justice. You worried about how Biden got in office and wasn't legitimate. You worried about... Uh, of course, I don't really argue with about that. I, I don't know about all that stuff. Here's what I know. You're worried about justice in your own county. You're worried about justice in your own country. But you're not worried about justice when it comes down to your heart. You're not worried about justice when it comes to what does God say. What to God you'd get as concerned about your personal relationship and fellowship with God as you was about your country. I'm not saying you shouldn't be worried about your country. But would to God you'd get that concerned about you being right with God. That's why. That's why you're not real. I'm going to church, Brother Nathan. They probably were too. I'm reading my Bible. They were reading their Old Testament law. I'm praying, Brother Nathan. I doubt that. But they, they were too. They were. They was going, they was fasting while they was praying. You know what the problem was? God wasn't listening. God said, no, thank you. No, your sins have separated me and you. That's what's happened. Hey, I'm doing all this stuff. Well, that's a good question. Are you doing all this stuff that you're supposed to be doing? Well, let me ask you something. Why is heaven not intervening? You know how you can know that you're not real? Because you do all the stuff that you think you're supposed to be doing and nothing, you don't get the results that you're supposed to get. Hey, did God say, ask and ye shall receive? Have you been asking? You say, oh yeah, Brother Nathan, have you been receiving? Then something's wrong. He said, seek and ye shall find. Have you been seeking? Oh yes, Brother Nathan, have you been finding? then something's wrong. Hey, listen, if you do something that God told you to do, if you're conforming your life to what you're estimating to be the will of God according to the Scripture, and you're still not getting the result that God said you would get, then there's a variable in there that you haven't taken into consideration that you need to take into consideration. And it's usually you. It's not God, I know that. Did God change his mind about his promises? 
Did God, did God wake up this morning and say, well, you know, I know I wrote all that stuff. I know I inspired all these prophets to say all this stuff. But all of a sudden, and I just don't feel good this morning. So I'm going I'm to just lay out of listening to all these prayers. I'm not going to honor these promises. No, that's not the way it works. I told you it was tight in here. See, we come in here and we preach, and so long as Brother Nathan just kind of, I guess, teach, I guess maybe that's the mode that we've got in. Maybe that's just what it is, but I don't believe it is. Uh, we just go through here and we teach and everything's okay, but the moment we start talking about sin and we start putting the blame where it really belongs, it tightens up. Why are you accusing me? Because you're the one that's not right with God. Amen. It lies on your shoulders. It lies in your court. You say, Brother Nathan, you got the wrong idea about me. No, I live with somebody just like you. My wife. No, it's me. It's me. I know, I know what you deal with because I know me. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They delight, they take delight in approaching to God. Look at what they say. Wherefore have we fasted, say they? And thou seest not. They're doing what God told them to do, but God ain't listening. Hey, listen, you can fake a lot of things. You can fake a lot of things. You know, God really impressed upon my heart when I was a young teenager to not really enjoy being around things that were phony. Yes, sir. You know, it would be cheaper, and it would be, as far as the long-term product of the thing, it would cost us less money if we would get rid of this and get us one of those electronic keyboards and just pipe it through the sound system, it would be cheaper. It would be cheaper. You say, then why don't we do that? Because I don't like things that ain't real. I, that, that's petty, but that's just the way I see it. I like things that are real. You say, but Brother Nathan, it costs so much money, and you know, upkeep, it has to be tuned. Yeah, but I like things that's real. Uh, the Lord impressed upon my heart as a young man when I was a teenager, really trying to get serious with the Lord. I got to a place to where I didn't like phony things. I didn't like things that wasn't real. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about religion. Folks is real comfortable with phony religion. It's religion that just ain't real. Going through the motions. You can usually spot phony religion by when somebody comes up to you and says, Oh, I like this particular preacher. Oh, yeah? He's a good preacher. Oh, yeah, he's a really great preacher. What do you like about him? Well, he tells awesome jokes. Yeah, but what's he say when he preaches? Oh, I don't know, but he's so funny. That's phony religion. That's phony religion. Yes, sir. Well, I like this preacher because he really just throws down and he hacks all the time. What's he say? Well, I don't really know, but I just, I like him. He's good. That's phony religion. It's phony religion. You know what you should like? You should like true preaching. Yes, sir. You should like true religion, pure religion, undefiled, undefiled, unspotted by this world is what James chapter 1 says. Unspotted, unspotted, no spots. Don't like none of that leopard religion. You know what that is? That's religion that's blended. That's a religion of godliness and self-centeredness, trying to just mesh it all together. That's where this emergent stuff comes from. This emergent church stuff comes from. Yes, sir. No, sir, we don't like that kind of stuff. Listen, you can, you can imitate a lot of things. You can fake a lot of things. You can be phony about a lot of things. But you know one thing that you can't be a phony about? Answered prayer. You can't fake that. You ever heard of those preachers who get up and preach? And then when they get done preaching, there's thousands that'll come to the altar. I mean, you got to have thousands sitting in the congregation in order to do that. But to have thousands come to the altar, and then all of a sudden you hear later on in the news that that was all a show, it was all a sham. They orchestrated all that. Hey, I've heard of Baptist preachers doing that very same thing. Preaching a, preach a church service with a building filled with about 300 people and have already gone around to people in the church, people that's... Really, uppity up people in the church. I mean, people that are faithful people in the church and say, hey, we want you to come down and make a profession of faith and kind of get the, the spirit of the church service moving so people will be comfortable in coming and getting saved. That's phony. That's fake religion. 
Hey, I'm not interested in church that has to be orchestrated. I'm not interested in church to where we have to pump and prime and get you to run the aisles and get you to shout and get you to say amen and get you to smile. I'd rather deal with religion to where people smile because that's what's in their heart. People shout because that's what's in their heart. They run the aisles because that's what's in your heart. Don't hurt nobody when you do that, though. Yeah. Real. It's real. That's what God wants. There they go again. This is just a circus. This is like watching Barnum and Bailey. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. You can't, you can't imitate answered prayer. You can't orchestrate your own circumstances and work those things out if God's not going to intervene. Trying to get God's attention, but God not paying no attention at all. It's like the prophets of Baal out there cutting themselves with those lancets, dancing around the altar. Hey, they got an altar. Hey, they've got their God. They've got their sacrifice. God not paying attention. Saul had his sacrifice. God not paying attention. Let me ask you something. When's the last time God answered any of your prayers? Any of your prayers? Any of your prayers? Any of them? Any of them? Any of them? Have you gotten any answered prayers this week? Have you prayed for anything this week? That, that has to do a lot of why you don't get your prayers answered because you don't ask God for nothing. Amen. You don't ask God to intervene. You got it under control, don't you? you? Got it all taken care of, don't you? You know what one of the things the Lord told his disciples to pray for in the Lord? They call it the Lord's Prayer. It's him teaching his disciples how to pray. You know what one of the things he told them to pray for was? Give us this day our daily bread. Have you asked God to meet your needs this week? Did you, ask, did you wake up every morning and say, God, I pray that you give me what I need today? Well, it's hard to do that when you got cans of beans sitting in the cabinet. And I'm not preaching against that. I got it myself. But see, you tend to lean on your own comfort. You tend to lean on your own strength and say, well, I got this under control. All it'd take is a stroke. You wouldn't be able to bring a spoon to your mouth. Got beans in the cabinet, got steaks in the freezer, got a big ham in the freezer, but all of a sudden God do something, you're not able to take advantage of any of that stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You say, what's going on, Brother Nathan? Well, they fasted, they prayed, but God's not paying attention. I believe it's got some folks bitter. I believe it gets Christians bitter. Praying about stuff and praying about stuff and praying about stuff and praying. What good is this? God never answers my prayer. God never does anything for me. Well, let me ask you one question. Are you clean? I know God's a God of grace, so he doesn't care about whether you're clean or not. That's what a lot of Christians think, I guess. Hey, when you get out on your knees, somewhere in that prayer, somewhere in that prayer, you should say... Lord, I pray you forgive me for this. God, I pray you forgive me for this. God, I messed up here. God, I didn't do this right. God, I pray you forgive me. My daddy was preaching one time and he said a, a prayer without repentance is hot air. That's true. That's true. The reason God is not paying attention is because you're not sorry about anything. You're sorry, but you're not apologetic. Listen, I'm not... Sounds pretty rough this morning. I'm being rough on purpose, but I'm trying to get you to see, hey, if you can't get your prayers answered, you need to take consideration of that thing. Do you realize that the people that you know and the people that you interact with, whether they realize it or not, they're counting on you to be able to get a prayer through. Hey, if I was lost, if I was backslidden, and the only Christian that I knew was you, I need you to be able to get a prayer through for me. I need you to be able to pray and get God to say, yes, sir, I'm listening. I need that. I need it from you. Yes, sir, I need it from you. What good would it do if I was a pastor, but I couldn't pray? What good would it do if I was a pastor, but I couldn't open my Bible and God speak to me? All I'm doing is holding an office. All I'm doing is holding a seat. All I'm doing is just standing up here and making a living. 
getting online and printing out my sermon outlines. I hope this goes well. No! That's what a lot of Christians is doing. They're opening up their Bible and saying, oh, what's a good verse for today? Oh, there it is. Ezekiel 32, 25. Print it out. That would be my verse for today. No. You know what your problem is? It's not real. It's not real. You need to get real. Hey, this is real. There's really people that are dying. There's really people that are suffering. There's really people that need help. And the only place they know to go is to you. A hard-headed, backslidden, cold, indifferent Christian. It's time for you to get right. It's time for you to get right. It's time for you to get right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge. See, Lord, all this suffering that I'm putting myself through. And God said, so? Not interested in that. Look at what he says. He said, behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. You know what God said? He said, your problem is you're not doing it my way. You know what a lot of Christians are satisfied with, Brother Michael? They're satisfied with Christianity so long as it's done their way. If I, if I asked for a show of hands this morning and said, how many of you really want to be Christians? I bet you every hand would go up, including all the little kids, whether they meant it or not. I bet you every hand in this building would go up. But then if we refined that and said, how many of you want to be a Christian God's way? You'd probably still raise up your hand, but you know you're lying through your teeth because you don't want to be a Christian God's way. That's why you don't have any joy. That's why you don't have any peace. That's why you come to church and you hate church. You hate church. You hate church. Oh, I love God's people. Then how come you don't love the process of church? Hey, when we get together, it's not just for a social club. I didn't. Hey, listen. I love the people that are sitting in here. I love every single one of you. I mean that with all my heart. But I didn't come to see you. I didn't come to see Brother Tommy. I didn't come to see Brother Chris. I didn't come to see Brother Curtis. You say, what'd you come for? I came for the preaching. You say, Brother Nathan, you're preaching. That's a bold statement. Hey, if I wasn't preaching, that's what I came for. I'm praying about next week. I don't know if I'll be preaching. There's a possibility that somebody will be preaching up there and I might find it boring. You know what I'm doing? I'm praying about it already. God, give him something. God, help him. Whoever's going to be preaching. There'll be a lot of preachers there next week coming in for this wedding. God, whoever it is, help them. God, fill them. God, give them something that'll nail my hide to the floor. I want something. I want something. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Behold in the day. What he says is behold in the day of your fast. See, now it's not God's fast. He's going to talk about his fast later here in the chapter. But right now it's not that his fast. What they're doing is they're trying to seek God their way. Samuel comes to Saul and says, now listen. He takes this vial and he pops it open and he pours the oil on his head and says, God chose you to be the king of Israel. And he says, you, you're going to leave here today. He said, you're going to find some men and they got some bread. And he said, you're going to take a certain amount of loaves. And you're going to run up against these other folks and they're going to prophesy. And he said, you're going to prophesy with them. And he said, when you get to a place, I believe it was Gilgal. He said, when you get to this place, he said, I want you to sit there and I want you to wait on me because I'm going to come and offer a sacrifice for you on your behalf. And so Samuel go, or Saul goes and it happens to him exactly like everything said. And then when he gets down there to Gilgal, he's standing there and he's waiting around and all the peoples joined up with him. And all of a sudden, here comes the Philistines and he sees that all the people are beginning to leave. So you know what he does? He offers the sacrifice himself. That's not what he was told to do. Samuel comes and says, what'd you do? He said, well, I, I saw, I saw the, all the people, they were scattering from me and I had to do something. I had, I had to make a decision. And Samuel says, the decision you should have made was be obedient. This is before 1 Samuel 15. You know what he told him there? He said, he said God was going to establish your kingdom forever. 
Your boys was going to be set up behind you. Their boys was going to be set up behind them. God was going to establish your kingdom forever. Hey, the kingdom that is known as the kingdom of David's, when the Lord Jesus Christ came in, they said, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord and cometh with the kingdom of David our father. You know who it could have been they were singing the praises of? Saul. They could have been saying when Jesus was riding in on that little donkey into the land of Jerusalem, they could have been singing and saying, Hey, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord and with the kingdom of our father, Saul. But because Saul made the simple decision to just not be obedient, he wanted to, do, he wanted to serve God, but he wanted to serve God his way. God said, your kingdom is not going to go any further. It's not going to go any further. I want to be a Christian, Brother Nathan. Do you want to be a Christian God's way? I don't know why this kind of preaching, I don't know why this kind of attitude is so abrasive to Christians. Isn't that why you got saved? Hey, didn't you get saved because you saw the life that you were living according to your own will and said, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of living in depression. I'm tired of living in defeat. I don't like this way. I want a better way. And somebody said, God's way's better. And you said, I'll take it. And now that you say, no, I'd really like to go back and do it my old way. I'd really like to go back to the land of Egypt. You backslid. That's all there is to it. You backslid. Behold, in the day of your fast, it's your fast now. It's not God's fast. You're not doing it God's way. Now it's your fast. Now it's your religion. Now it's your salvation. I said it's your salvation. Oh, no, Brother Nathan, God saved my soul. Well, from the looks of it, you saved your soul. You know what happens to a self-saved man? He ain't got no joy. Because his God's only strong as he is. The only pleasure that he can take in life is what he's able to accomplish in. Hey, the life of a Christian, a man who trusted God for his salvation, a Christian's able to look at God and say, boy, living is wonderful. Well, why you say that? Because every problem that I have, God's able to take care of. He changed my eternal destination. What else can he not handle? You know what the Lord Jesus Christ told those folks back in the book of Matthew or forward in the book of Matthew? He said, your house, your house, your house. It's your religion. Your house is left unto you. Desolate. Oh, Brother Nathan, I'm really concerned about this abomination that maketh desolate. You better be worried about the desolation that's going on in your life right now because it's your house. Hey, we talk about this little building right here and we say this is God's house. And I believe that. I believe this is God's house. I believe it. But I also believe that little house that you're sitting in, that carcass that you have wrapped around your soul and your spirit, that's God's house too. Hey, you want joy? I recommend you run that house the way that God told you to run it. Yes, sir. Look at what he says. Verse 4, he said, Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. You know what this fast has become? This religion has become a, a religion that's dedicated to strife and debate. Did you know that the Bible says contend earnestly for the faith? That's Jude. That's the book of Jude. There's only one chapter, chapter, verse 1 or verse 2. I think it's verse 2. He said that you're to contend earnestly for the faith. Do you know that some people, the only interest that they have in Christianity is that aspect of it? Brother Nathan, when are you going to call the name of another preacher? As soon as I need to. Oh, I really like it when Brother Nathan gets wrapped up and starts calling all these preachers' names. Well, I'm not doing that because I have something personal against them. I do that because they're sheep that need to be warned. Hey, you better watch out for this. You better be careful. But some people, the only interest that they have in Christianity is, hey, I really like, I really like it when we have to get in this kind of fight. Make no mistake about it, the Christian, the Christian life is a life of fighting. 
Fight the good fight of faith. I'm not apologizing for that in the least. But you know what your fighting should be driven by? It should be driven by a love for the truth. Hey, the only reason that we have to do things in extreme measure sometimes is because we're trying to get the truth put out in the front, not somebody's personality. We care about the truth. And we do whatever we got to do to put the truth out there. It's not because we like to fight. Some people got saved out of a life of fighting. Brother Mark talks about that. And when they got saved out of a life of fighting, the old nature didn't go away. Still tends to like that. What you think would keep a man's flesh from wanting to just constantly be in a state of controversy? You know what the Bible calls that? It calls it variance. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You said, Brother Nathan, are you saying we should lay down? I'm not saying anything of the kind. What I am saying is that you should fight not because you love the strife and debate. You should fight because you love the truth. Hey, listen, if the only reason you're fighting in God's fight is because you just want to pick a fight with somebody, I'm going to go preach on the street. Oh, you want to see some people say, no, I want to see if I can go to jail. You're an idiot. I hope you do go to jail. I hope they come and lock you up and let you sit in jail and rot. You say, Brother Nathan, there ain't nobody take that attitude. Oh, yes, there is. You can just look. Just, you don't have to take very long and look on YouTube and you find them. Morons. God hates fags. You know why it gets quiet in here? Because some of you would do that. God hates fags is not the message that's going to bring people to Jesus Christ. Hey, listen. God is angry with the wicked every day. God does. God does hate homosexuality. And I got news for you. God don't take no pleasure in homosexuals themselves. Oh, God doesn't hate anybody. God does hate some people. But the message that's going to save people from hell is not God hates fags. disagree with that if you want to, but that's, that's the God's honest truth. I'm not going to get out on the, on the streets and preach, all you fags are going to hell. I'm not going to preach that sermon. You know what I'm going to preach? Hey, you're going to hell because you've rejected Jesus Christ. You know why a homosexual goes to hell? They don't go to hell because, because just leave it at that. I want to be as discreet as I possibly can. A homosexual goes to hell the same reason that drunkards go to hell. You have to qualify every statement that you make. Oh, you're saying that homosexuality is not as bad as drunkenness? No. God said a man turns into a homosexual because he knows God. And God gave him the truth. Romans chapter 1. And he turned it away. And so God turned him over to a reprobate mind. That's what God says. That's what the Bible says, Romans chapter 1. But you know what the message that's going to bring him out of that blindness, if anything's going to bring him out? It's, hey, Jesus Christ died for your sins. Hey, that stuff you're engaged in right now, Jesus Christ died for that stuff. If you'll repent of it and come to Jesus Christ, he'll save your soul. Oh, no, we're not going to go that route, Brother Nathan. Why not? Your religion's become to you, I guess, a thing of... Strife and debate. I like Christianity because I just like to fight. Well, I'm going to tell you, I like to fight too. But this is not about me. This is not about what I like. This is about what God wants. And it's about the truth. If I got to fight over it, let's fight. But that's not the first option. The first option is what's true. Well, I disagree with that. Well, it's still true. We'll argue about it. Amen. I guess we better get off of that because we done grieved the service. Let me just tell you before we move. You're wrong. Amen. You're wrong. Amen. The Bible's right. Amen. 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 Is this a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call 
this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? You know what God said? God said, the fast that I chose, the religion that I chose, it's not a religion to humble somebody else. It's a religion to humble you. It's a fast not to humble somebody else. It's a fast to humble you. You know how somebody's not real? You know how you can spot a, a phony Christian? It's somebody that's always worried about the fault of the other guy. It's the guy that sits in the pew and is worried about everything that the preacher didn't say right when the preacher did say a couple of things that was right that applied directly to him, but he ain't going to get that right. He's going to try and get the preacher right. You know what your problem is? You're a whitewashed Pharisee. You twice dead plucked up by the roots. You just like a dead hog bathing in the mud, soaking up the sunshine. Just as nasty too. I don't think that preacher said that right. Who cares? We care about what God said. Oh, you know, my wife, if she does get this right, uh, she ain't got it right because you've been leading her wrong. Well, my husband, if he does get this right, he ain't been right because you've been influencing him incorrectly. Oh, boy, my kids. Boy, my, my kids. They're little devils. Where do you think they got that from? They didn't just get that from their grandpappy, Adam. Mm -hmm. God said, the, the fast that I chose is a fast for you to humble yourself. It's a fast for you to afflict your soul. It's a fast for you to bow down your head as a bulrush. It's a fast for you to put on the sackcloth and ashes. You know what people's trying to do now? You know what some folks in here is doing? You know why it's tighter than Dick's hat band in here? Because some folks is worried about putting sackcloth on your shoulders and putting sackcloth on your shoulders. Let's put ashes on your head. You two really need to get right with God, you bunch of reprobates. And you might. Y'all might. But what about you? What about you? You know how you can tell man's got a right religion? There's some contrition. He's not walking around saying, oh, it's Brother Michael, it's Brother Michael, it's Brother Michael, it's Brother Michael, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. He says, it's me. It's me! It's me! That's a good attitude of Jonah. Brother Mike preached that sermon. I call that to your remembrance. A good attitude of Jonah. It's me. Yes, sir. It's me, Lord. Hey, when a man starts getting right with God, when a man genuinely starts right, getting right with God, he don't sit around and say, there ain't nothing wrong with me. That's not the attitude of a man that's right, right with God. That is not the attitude of a man that's right with God. Well, I search my heart and I just don't see anything in there. You know what a man who's right with God does? He gets down on his knees before his face and he goes to God in prayer and he says, God, what's wrong with me? Yeah. He, don't, he don't say, Lord, is there something wrong with me? That's not the question. The question is not, Lord, is there something wrong with me? The question is, Lord, what's wrong with me? I know. I know there's something in there lurking around. Amen. God, help me to see what it is. You ain't going to do that because you're too proud. You stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Hmm? Man came into J. Frank Norris's office one day and pulled a pistol on him and tried to kill him. J. Frank Norris pulled out his pistol and killed him. That's how that story went down. That's a pretty awesome preacher. Somebody hear that story. Some of you be grieved because I said that's a pretty awesome preacher. I think he is. He had his problems. He wasn't right about everything. He was Baptist, but he wasn't right about everything. But I kind of liked him. He fireball for, in his day. But anyways, somebody hear that and say, oh, I'd never do anything like that to a preacher. No, but you harden your neck while a preacher's preaching. That's testifying. That's testing to the, to the fact that you are the offspring of that guy that would do something like that. Nathan, I don't, I don't even know that guy. I don't even know that man. I'm just talking about man in general. Amen. I believe it was Matthew chapter 23. The Lord came to the Pharisees and he said, Woe unto you Pharisees. Woe unto you scribes. Woe unto you lawyers. Woe unto you Pharisees. And he kept saying it. Woe. And bam, 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 just going down the list. And he said, You Pharisees say that if you lived in the days of your fathers, you wouldn't have put the Old Testament prophets to death. And he said, by you saying that, that is a testament to the fact that if you existed in those days, you'd have done the very same thing that they did. 
the Lord said, you underestimate the wickedness of your own heart. Oh, I'd never do something like that. You're the one that we should watch out for. You're the one that the lightning bolt is aiming for. It's you. I'm fine. Hmm? That's why you're so happy, ain't it? <laughs> I love life. You know a man's bitter when he insists he's right, but he's got no joy. Ain't that right? That's right, whether you believe it or not. But anyways, it humbles you. Right religion humbles you. You know what else it does? It brings liberty. Who he says, verse 6. Is not this a fast that I, the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? You know what the Lord wants to do for you folks this morning? Hey, if you're in here and you backslid this morning, which I bet you you are, you're hiding in here. Hey, if you backslid this morning, you know what God wants to do? God wants to set you free. God wants to set you at liberty. God wants to put you in a place in your own heart and life to where you're able to raise your hand. And tears roll down your face. And you're able to say, thank God I'm saved. And not give a rip about what anybody thinks. God wants to get you to that place. Hey, God wants to get you to the place to where when you ain't got nothing but a bag of dry beans in your house. And maybe a little bit of rice. You can sit out at the dinner table with those beans and rice and say, thank you God for your provision. Hmm? Hey. When the Great Depression took place, people were committing suicide left and right. When the recession, they call it a recession. You, we could argue about whether it really was a recession or not. But when people started losing their jobs back in 2008, I know a man right here in this county who committed suicide ultimately over that thing. You, say, you know what that is? That's not liberty. Some of you held down over the things that not go in your way and not go in the way that you'd like for them to go. You're in bondage about that stuff. I'm going to tell you, it's because you're not real. You ain't got real. God wants to get you to a place of liberty, and if you get real with him, God will put you in that place. Come hell or high water. Come the government to take your guns away or not. Said, Brother Nathan, why are you being so still there? Because people labor in this stuff, but they don't labor in prayer over it. In their mind, turmoil is worked over in their heart, and it affects you. It's affecting you. Yes, sir. God wants to give you liberty. God wants to give you liberty. Christianity's never put a man in chains. It never put a man in chains. You say, what puts a man in chains? Sin. What puts a man in chains? Self-will. Wife come to her husband and say, hey, can we do this? No. Well, why not? Because I don't want to. Is that the way it is? I mean, hey, to a certain extent, okay. Everything got to go your way all the time? Everything? 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 I understand sometimes a husband knows more than his wife does. Sometimes she knows more than you do. At the end of the day, he's the one in charge. I understand that too. But does it really have to be about what you want all the time? Oh, I got real quiet there. You're in bondage to your own self-will. Yes, sir. When you have a mindset to where you have to come to church, you have to. You have to come to church. And I believe that. I believe you have to come to church. But when you're in that mindset to where I have to go to church, you know what's going on? You're in bondage. My father-in-law tells my kids just about every Saturday, we get to go to church tomorrow. You say, what is that? That's liberty. Yes, sir. Look in, look in verse 7. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. You know what this religion is? It's a religion that brings generosity. Makes you generous. Make you put things out to other people. Don't have to keep it for yourself. 
Now watch what happens when these folks, God says, if you get real, this is what will happen. Verse 8. He said, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily. I believe with all my heart that some, I don't know how much, but some of the health problems that God's people goes through is because they ain't got the right attitude towards God. That goes against the grain of what the average Baptist believes. The average Baptist believes anything can happen in your flesh and that couldn't possibly be associated with God. That's not true. You know what, you know what Paul said in 1 Timothy? He said bodily exercise profiteth little. It's not a slam against bodily exercise, but he said it's only going to profit you a little. Some folks need that profit. But he said godliness is profitable in all things. It has a profit both of the life that now is and the life that is to come. I wouldn't constantly search for godliness to be profit in the life that now is, but I will say there is profit in godliness for this life right now. Hey, if you quit lusting, that'll keep you out of debt. Sure. Quit, quit coveting things that belongs to other people. That'll keep you from getting in a mess and getting crossways with other folks. Hey, if you quit being so hot-headed, that'll help you get along with other folks. There's profit. There's profit. Don't tell me, don't tell me that if you live a godly life, it's not going to have an effect on your body. Hey, if you get your emotions in order, you get your heart in order with God, get peace down in your soul, you quit having ulcers in your stomach. Hey, I know preachers right now this morning, I know preachers right now this morning to where they just about have to take Tums every night before they go to bed. You say, why? Because they got ulcers in their stomach worrying about what God's people is doing or worrying about this or worried about that. I know preachers' wives, they're on antidepressants. Just can't deal with it. Just... I recommend getting on your knees and dealing with that stuff with God on your knees. Your light will break forth as the morning. Thy health shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call. And the Lord shall say, thou sh the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry. And he shall say, here I am. I'm right here. When's the last time you heard that from the Lord? Lord, yeah, what you got? You know why the Lord, you know why you probably don't sense that out of the Lord? It's because the Lord don't sense that out of you. Yeah, amen. Hey, why? Sir? Samuel. Samuel. You know what Samuel didn't do? He didn't lay around in bed. He jumped up and ran to Eli. Sir? Huh? I didn't call you. Samuel. Sir, I didn't call you. Samuel, hey, yes, sir, you called me. I know you called me. Hey, the next time that happens, you need to get in there and you need to say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Samuel laying in there and all of a sudden he hears a voice. Samuel, Samuel, speak. He don't know who it is. He didn't say, Lord. He said, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Whoever it is, I'm listening. And God began to speak to him and tell him all this kind of stuff. And now you get down on your knees and you say, Lord, I'd like for you to do this. And God, I really need you to intervene. And you know what? A lot of your prayers is legitimate. Some of them is illegitimate because you ain't praying about nothing except what you want. You're not praying about what God's concerned about. But some of them is legitimate prayers. And God's sitting here going, Brother Nathan, I don't believe that. Okay, let me read you a verse of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 1, he said, because, verse 24, because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not all my counsel and with none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Lord, that's really hard. That's a hard attitude, Lord. Well, he says, 
for that they hated, the, not, they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. God said, that's the way you want to look at me? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open unto me, I'll come in unto him and I'll sup with him. Song of Solomon, the bride says to the groom, she says, hey, I'm washed. She said, I'm in bed. I'm comfortable. That's what's wrong with some of you. You're too comfortable. Now you're apathetic. Now you're a deadhead. Hey, let's have some fellowship. Hey, I want to talk to you. Not now, Lord. I'm working my job. Hey, if you come open the door, we'll really sit down and I'll explain some things to you. Not now, Lord. I got my family reunion. Finally, that knock goes away. Finally. Now I can get some rest. All of a sudden, you wake up in the middle of the night smelling your house on fire. The place where you were so comfortable. The place where you, everything was going just like you thought it was going to go. Fire! You start running around the house. And then you start looking for the bridegroom. Hey, where is he that was knocking on my door just a couple of hours ago? I can still smell his perfume. He's still so close. Hey, Lord, I need you to open up. God, I need, I need some answers. God said, you didn't answer me. God said, I was waiting for an answer from you, but you didn't answer me. It's not God, folks. It's on your shoulders. It's on your shoulders. It's on my shoulders. You answer him. Hey, if God's ringing you, Bill, this morning, if God's ringing your cell phone, why don't you just pick up the phone and say, God, that's me. It's me. Look at what he says. He said, then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. If thou take away from the midst of the... If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speak in vanity, if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. God said, if you'll get right with me, he said, if you'll get real, if you'll start answering when I knock, he said, what will happen is you'll still get in the darkest times of your life. He said, there's going to be some obscurity that's going to come. He said, but when you get there, he said, your light, your light, your light is going to rise in obscurity. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, light is sown for the righteous. You know what a righteous man is? That's a man who does right. He don't just have right intentions. He does right. He lives the way he's supposed to live. He humbles his heart. Has some contrition. God said, you're going to still get in some rough times. He said, but in the middle of those rough times, he said, your light is going to rise as, as in the obscurity. It's going to rise in obscurity. Yes, sir. He said, thy darkness shall be as the noonday, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Let me ask you something. What got you in the condition that you're in this morning? If you backslid, what got you in the, that condition? I can tell you what it is. You're following your own advice. Amen. Ain't that right? Hey, somewhere along the lines, you got cold on God, and God tried to give you some advice, and you turned it away, and now you're so far from God, you can't even hear him talking to you. You can't hear his voice. Amen. It's like God's guidance is not there. God said, if you get real, if you get real with me, God said, I'll give you that guidance. You got some things that you got some questions about and can't seem to find the answers? Get real with God. He said, Brother Nathan, I, I done got right with God. Brother Nathan, I'm, I'm trying to get my heart right with God. Keep looking. 
You found one or two things that wasn't right and you confessed those things, find three or four more. Yes, sir. You got plenty that needs to get right with God. Man that's looking to get right with God, he says, God, where? Where is it? Where is it in me? Get real with God this morning. God will get real with you. Brother Nathan, I just feel like God is just not as real as he used to be. Are you real with him? Hey, if you're going to play games with God, God's not going to fool around with you. I didn't say he's going to lose your salvation. I didn't say he's going to go to hell. You go into heaven because you trusted Jesus. But the reality of that thing is not peeking through no more. You say, why? Because this is just a religion to you. And the moment it starts getting real, God's going to go down with you to your house on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. God's going to go down with you to the workplace. It's going to be real to you. Yes, sir. God, help us this morning, Lord. We pray, God, that you deal with hearts, God, as you see fit. Lord, help us, God, to get real with you, God. Lord, help us, Lord, not to, uh, God, just go through the motions. Lord, help us, Lord, to not allow this, God, to just be our religion. But, God, I pray, Lord, that you help us, God. Lord, with what's been said this morning, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Listen, God spoke to your heart. Why don't you come this morning? Why don't you do business with God? You say, Brother Nathan, I can't get out of my seat. Do business with God right there in your pew. God will hear you. God will hear you.